Welcome to the Rock Hill Dream Center Church, where we have a vision to see communities transformed by the gospel as we love, serve, share, and send. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. Man, the Lord was just showing out this morning. The music ministry was just, the voices behind me were just coming out and just drowning out my tone-deaf self. <laughs> Hallelujah. But it was wonderful just um, getting to hear the saints sing to the Lord. So praise God for that. And um, what a happy, beautiful day that we have and just to be in the house of the Lord together. Amen. Wasn't that wonderful? Amen. So we're going to be in the book of Ephesians still. So this is week three, and we're going to, um, we're going to be working in a new chapter, Ephesians chapter two, starting with verse one. And if you have your Bibles, you want to open it up, that'd be a good time to do it. And um, I wrote a line up here at the top. What does it feel like to be truly alive in Christ? You know, it's um, the church of Ephesus was just, um, man, it was, it was doing a lot of things right. And, and, and this letter was meant to encourage them if we talked about that. But what does it mean to be experienced being truly alive in Christ? And as I was just sitting and meditating on that, um, y'all know how I like to write in the middle of the night. And so I got up and I started writing again. And it got me to thinking about what I got to experience Thursday night. Now, I know I run around here like a little knucklehead and everybody, I put on a good disguise of being somebody who don't know what's going on. That's a, that is a costume. I watch everything. And I'm going to tell you what I saw. I saw some youth over here, their hands were on the fence, three or four girls. And they were talking. I saw some guys over here, and they were sitting on a tailgate, and they were talking. I saw three ladies on these steps, and they were talking. I saw Willie playing cornhole for the very first time in the five years I've known you to, to interact and play cornhole. And he missed a shot, and he did. And I was like, Willie is interacting in cornhole. And, 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 I, and I was his partner. And, and, and even though we didn't win, Willie, they cheated. We know that. We know, we know. I saw people playing ultimate frisbee, and I saw the little kids being discouraged because the frisbee wasn't being thrown to them as much. But I saw older guys getting this desire to win and, and, the, and the aggressiveness coming out as, as I think it was 16 people on that field. Yeah, and I saw Pat running with one arm because he thought he could still do it, and he had one arm, and like, yeah, Pat's, Pat's lame. We should have took Tyler and gave them Pat. <laughs> I saw people eating together and fellowship together. You know, one of the beautiful things I saw, Miss D, is I saw you sitting in that chair putting toppings on every one of those pieces, ice cream bowls. And people, we can't overlook what it means to be fully alive in Christ. That everything that we do, we do it for the glory of God. And everything that everybody was doing was being done for the glory of God. And I'm catching each and every one of the things. I watched Barbara and Connie and Terry, they're going to talk. You can get them three sisters together and they'd have made their inner circle. But they were bringing God glory. And they were excited. 
I saw Matt as he's been here for the last two weeks loving on families and just hanging out and getting them whatever they need. As tired as he was, he was still engaged. I saw Philip, Phil and, excuse me, Mike and Chastity, how they were just, just, he had buried his mom Wednesday or Thursday, excuse me, the funeral, and then he was still here that night because they were being poured into. I saw what it means to be alive in Christ. I saw a worship team that came up and started worshiping and rehearsing and practicing despite all of these things that were going on. Can you see what I'm trying to say? Now, what we have to be careful of, as much as we were interact, interacting, there'd be one or two people that'll sit there and the enemy is telling them that they do not have a place. And we've got to ask God to press upon us, to give us eyes to see the lone sheep that is sitting there and feeling like they're a, a stranger or feeling like they're alone in the middle of a hundred. And that God give us the eyes to see, the ears to hear, and the mouth to speak peace, gentle, kind words to the person who feels that they don't belong. And so that, that's what I saw Thursday. And that's to me what it means to be alive in Christ, is to watch God's hand move and work. You know, God's hand, it moves and works in where you live, where you work, and where you play. To be alive in Christ is to be one with him and to understand that you're seeing his hand move. And that is a very intoxicating thing when you are getting to watch God's hand move. It'll take away every other worldly desire in your life. So what does it mean to be alive in Christ? So there's three things that we're going to come back to so you can remember these. If you come over to a hand up and you sit in the coffee corner, we got a, we got a mural that represents this. We talk about to be spiritually healthy. We talk about understanding that there's heart transformation that has to take place. And not only heart transformation, but to be spiritually healthy, it's also to be, in, to be discipled, to understand what God's word says, to be able to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, to be able to submit to the voice of the Holy Spirit, and to be able to be a part of a family, to be able to glorify God, is to understand it. Generally, if you're not spiritually healthy, the second one, it's going to be hard to combat, and that's that we focus on mentality. To get your spiritually healthy, then that leads to being mentally healthy. It's the mind. It's the things that goes on in the mind. It's the war that, that wages inside of our head and the things that we discuss in each and every day, and we're going back and forth, and we're being washed around. That We, we know that, that spiritual, being spiritually healthy leads to us finding mental health. And I know that's a deep topic because there's a lot of mental health issues that we just don't understand. But I do believe this, that God does understand it. And that God has a plan. And if he doesn't deliver you from every bit of it, he has a purpose that he's going to use through that as you walk through it. Amen. And then that leads us to the last part as we're going to just kind of see today. Is that we become physically healthy. Physically healthy in how we interact with one another, physically healthy in how we, we love each other and how we treat each other in, in, in our marriages, in our work relationships, in our church family, with our children, and how we maybe treat our bodies or, or, or the things that, that, that our finances, all of the things that, that, that of this world that we have to navigate and work through starts with your spiritual walk with God. Through Jesus Christ. So, that's the good news because I'm going to tell you something. I love to watch this church demonstrate that. 
I don't know if y'all know this, but y'all pretty darn good at it. Hey, we got our, our, our corks and our things here at this church. But I believe what we do have is a transparent spirit to know that when we're hurting, we're, we let people know we're hurting and they love us and pray for us and encourage us. Like the Women's Day yesterday and how, how many ladies, 11 ladies, just hung out together and encouraging one another and just being a part of family together. So Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1. It says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Ephesians 2.1. Okay, so let's break that down. We're going to break it down. Let's see how far we're going down through now. Oh, we're going all the way down to chapter 8. I'm just kidding. It was six chapters. <laughs> Playing with y'all. 1 through 10, so it'll be short. Short and sweet. Once you were dead because of your disobedience in your many sins. I'll say, what I want you to hear, church, what I want you to hear, saints, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, once is a past tense word. It says, once you were dead. So Paul is addressing a very alive group of believers. That's the first thing that we need to establish, that he's not talking to the lost, but he's talking to the church. He's talking to the ones who have been made alive in Christ. But even though that they are alive in Christ, Paul has a purpose with this letter. He wants the believers, and he wants to have this desire to see the believers grow spiritually see we can say the prayer we can ask christ into our heart and 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 if, if our heart is in the right place when we're asking god into our heart and jesus christ comes into our heart that should promote us into wanting to have a desire to grow in christ through his word and through prayer and through fellowship so paul had this desire to say man i love what i'm seeing the lord do here church but I know that God has more for you. I want you to understand more of his love, more of his grace, so that you may be able to experience it for yourselves and as well give more of it away. Does that make sense? So Paul was encouraging the church. In verse 2 it says, you used, you used to, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Father God, Lord, I need you right now, Lord. Bring forth the words that you want us to hear today, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Move in a mighty way in Christ's name. Amen. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So a key statement to the Ephesians is he used to live in sin. So where the spirit of God is void, where the spirit of God is void, it leads to all sorts of of depravity and a messed up mind. The spirit of God not living inside of us gives this empty vessel 
for the darkness of the world to just come in and take up residence and have a field day. And, and that darkness, that, that, that devil and one third of the angels that came to earth with the devil, they don't care if people know the name of Jesus. They just don't want you to know Jesus. Where the spirit of God is void, it gives way to all sorts of vile actions towards God and his creation. Where the spirit of God is void, it gives way to all sorts of vile action towards each other and his creation. Hence the garden. The things that God created and made. Hmm. So it's very sobering for me to know that if the Holy Spirit does not dwell inside of me, which I know it does, I know without a doubt that it does, but if the Holy Spirit does not dwell in the, a human being, a created person that God created, if the Spirit of God is not there, that the Word just said... That the devil can dwell there. That kind of spooked me a little bit. It's what the scripture said. I, I read it. It says, so you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the power of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. The spirit of the devil is at work in the hearts of the one who refused to obey God. It's sobering to know that if the Holy Spirit does not dwell in our heart, that the spirit of the devil can. But let's be very clear about this. Some people need to hear this because I know, I can, I know where my mind went and I know where your mind may go. That if the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, the devil can't. People like, we need to maybe do an exorcism on that, that, that saint. They acting crazy. I was like, if that person knows Jesus, the devil cannot take residence where God is at. God, God showed us that when he cast the devil out of heaven. So if the spirit of God lives inside of you, Satan can't. But what Satan can do is he can try to attack you and attach himself to you and whisper in your ear and just kind of like be like a, we were talking about with some friends about the Anybody know what a no see is? Everybody laughing. Pat knows. Pat lived in Charleston. He knows what no see is. Barbara had to, I had to look up a definition to my wife that she would believe that there was truly a no see No see is a bug that you can't see that has a mouth this big. Oh. You don't see them until they bite you. And you just see the whip from where. The, so, so the enemy is like a noceum. It's pestering you. It's flying around your head. It's biting you on your arms and your back in the places you can't reach. <laughs> but it cannot live in your heart if you are a believer that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. But boy, it can make whips all over your body so that the rest of the world can see, can't it? That, that wasn't in the notes. I don't know how that came there. <laughs> oh, mercy. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, do not leave here worried today. The devil cannot take residence in you. But he can sure give you a hard run 
if you don't submit to that Holy Spirit that lives in you. So with that being said, we as believers can still be influenced by the darkness if we are not feeding the spirit that lives in us. So understand that the spirit that lives in us needs to be stirred. It needs to be it, it's activated. The spirit of God inside of us is activated as we pray to God, as we read his word, as we meditate in who God is, as we hang out with other believers, as we get on our knees and as we submit to the Lord that the spirit of God is churning and it's moving up inside of our hearts and it's stirring up inside of us something that we can't understand. But if we lie dormant and we follow the ways of the world and we say man I know God lives in me but I'm really attracted to whatever is going on here that is exactly what the devil wants to do because he can't have your soul but he can stop you from being a witness to the ones who are lost who he still has their souls the Bible says in John 13 34 and 35 it says so now I am giving you a new commandment Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. We will take communion here in a little bit. And I will ask you, if you have a problem against another person that God has created, search your heart before you go and take communion with the Lord. That's how important that is. And because God's word says, Jesus said, if you love me, you will love other brothers and sisters in Christ. You will love lost people. You don't have to love the sin that they're in. But you have to love God's creation. You have to love every animal, every tree, every, every stream, every mountain. Everything that our creator created it's something that we should be in love with. Why? Because he created it. Verse 3, it says, All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. All of us, we all, at one time, lived a self-centered and selfish life. And in that self-centeredness and that selfishness, we were just one decision, one night, one day from following the innermost, darkest desires of our heart. Hmm. Praise God. Can I get an amen on this? Praise God for the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. See, when God takes up residence in our hearts, it, it presses out the darkness. See, when the Holy Spirit came into you, Joe, there's still crevices and there's still cracks and there's still sanctification that's going. We justified the, by the blood. We're sanctified by the Spirit. So when the Spirit of God comes into our heart, it's this purging. It's this pressing. It's the Spirit of God coming in. And, it, and, it, and the heart is letting the darkness go, but the Spirit is pushing it out because the devil cannot live in the presence of the Most High God. So God is inside of you and He's, and he's purging you. And, and these thoughts... 
that you've, you've accumulated in your head that you think or these things that you look at or the way you feel. These are habits that have been formed into the flesh of your body. But the Spirit of God is going to sanctify that and press it out of you as you come and you be a part of Him. And as you abide in Him, He will abide in you. And all of these things will press out so that one day that you will walk around and people's like, what in the world is going on with that woman? She can just walk through the gates of hell smiling. And it's not her. It's the Spirit of God that lives inside of her. <sighs> the sentence I wrote was, praise God for the Holy Spirit. When God takes up residence in our heart, it presses out the darkness. And along with that goes the desires that dwell in the shadows. The shadows. Sin loves to lurk in the dark, in the shadows. It's kind of like cockroaches. If you turn on a light, cockroaches will flee. Mm, mm, mm. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 4, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much, verse 5, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. We need to say that again. It is only by God's grace that we have been saved. It is nothing that we did. We didn't do anything more spectacular than the person that is wandering and lost and dark. We have been shown the grace of God that he has purchased us and brought us into his family. We were nothing special other than being created by him. But it wasn't your actions. It wasn't that you did things better. It was because of the grace of our most high God that you were brought into his family. You were brought into it. Wow. Hmm. And it was simply because he loved us so much. The writer was telling the church of Ephesus that you were once dead, but now you're alive. And that was made possible when God raised Jesus Christ from the grave. And the same is true for you and I. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Did you hear that? For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. We have been raised from the dead. Not apart from Christ. Not apart from Christ. But united with Christ. You cannot be raised from the dead and, and say, I, I don't want to have anything to do with Christ. If you're raised from the dead, you, you're, a, you're united with Christ. You're, your hearts are one. It says in the scriptures that because Christ sits in the heavenly realms, so do you. That's good news. Not apart from Christ, but united in Christ. Because of this cleaving or coming together... We sit and get to watch God work in the heavenly realms. But you're like, well, Paul, I'm still here on earth. But your name 
has been written in the Lamb's book of life. You'll spend eternity with the Father in heaven. Live your life right now like you live in bulletproof. You don't have to live a life like you're still living in the world. You live as you're living a bulletproof life, not because of you, but because of who God is in you. Verse 7. So God can point it to us in all future ages as examples of his incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. As shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. So listen to this. Paul was pointing out to his listeners that they will be example of God's grace and kindness for future generations. And today we get to sit and read this part of history. I have a question. What will future generations read about us? What will future generations a thousand years from now read about the church of Rock Hill? Or the church of North America or the church of Asia, the churches around. The church in the 21st century, what will people a thousand years ago read about what was happening in the church today? Will they read that we were pointing our fingers at the people that, that were dying and going to hell? Or will they, will they read that we were asking them to repent and turn and believe in love and kindness and gentleness and self-control? How will we be drawn out in history books as the church? Were we a church that needed to be comfortable? And make sure that the AC was running all the time? Lord forbid, I love that, the part that he gave us one. But, but would it stop us if it didn't work anymore? If we didn't have a building next week, would we stop following God and Jesus Christ and loving on each other? I don't think so. I don't believe this church would. I believe if this building goes away today, there's people in this place that's going to find a way to love God and love other people because this church is a church who loves God. I want us to be known a thousand years ago as a church that loved its schools, a church that loved its communities, a church that loved its neighbors. And I'll be honest with you, it takes the Spirit of God in order for that to happen. I choose to believe that you all are a church that desires to see restoration and healing. I choose to believe that I get to stand before this church, a church that has made a proclamation that it chooses to see restoration and healing versus condemnation and slander. That we'll do our part, and that's to love God. And we'll do our other part, that's to love others. And we'll let God and the Holy Spirit figure everything else out. So verse 8, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Church, we have been given a gift. It is by God's grace that we sit here today. It's by God's grace that our eyes have been opened up to the darkness that attempts to destroy our lives. If there's people in your life and they're in some really bad sin... Um, you can't pull them out of it. They're doing things that could destroy themselves and destroy others. You just have to pray for them. Only the Holy Spirit 
can open up the eyes of his creation. And if we try to play the role of the Holy Spirit, we will build up a wall so big that they may not hear the voice of the Spirit when it speaks. Because they're going to say, that church just hates me. But when that Holy Spirit speaks and makes the sin in my life aware, it's like I can't get away from it fast enough. People have been telling me for years, Paul, why don't you do this? Paul, why don't you breathe? Why don't you do this? But when the Spirit convicts me, I let go of it. And it's by God's grace that we get to be a part of his plan to restore his creation that has been broken by sin. Thank you, God, for your grace. Verse 9, it says, salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. Then in 10, it says, for we are God's masterpiece. Listen to this. Everybody kind of do a little shake right now because we just went through a whole lot of meat. It's like a fire hydrant coming at you. I want you to hear this last little bit. Verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. Wow, how long is long ago? Before he created the earth. We found that out the other week. <laughs> he had a plan and he'd laid out all the days of your life before you were ever even on earth. So he's got good things that he's planned for you from long ago. You get to make a choice whether that's going to happen or not because you got free will. But God's done made a plan for your life. So here's what the Spirit put on my heart to write down. You, you, each and every person I'm looking at, myself, you are a part of God's masterpiece. You were created very, very uniquely and gifted in a different way than anybody else in this room. You were created very uniquely to watch over God's creation while reflecting his glory. Sin damaged you. It did. Sin, you were born into sin. And sin damaged you. But the blood of Jesus Christ restored you. And there's all of these broken pieces in this room. That has been damaged by sin, but bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And now the Lord, our God, our Father, is sitting there putting these broken pieces into place on this easel so that he will make a masterpiece and a beautiful creation will come out of that, that light will reflect through, and many and many millions of broken pieces will come together to make one piece that will glorify the Father in heaven and said, That is my work. You you could not destroy it, Satan. Stay where you're at. I'm going to deal with you later. In about a thousand years, I'm going to cast you into a fiery furnace where you will no longer get to mess with my creation. Thought that might be pretty good for y'all to hear today. You're a piece of artwork that's so valuable. Please hear me. You are a piece of artwork. Barbara, my wife, you're a piece of artwork so valuable that there's nothing on this earth as valuable as you. 
Vivian, you're so valuable. Nothing on this earth that's been created or made by man could ever purchase you. Nothing. You're so valuable that it took the blood of Jesus Christ to purchase you. All of Fort Knox, all of the gold and the silver and everything in this earth, all of the jewels, none of that would be able to purchase you out of sin. It was the blood of God that purchased you out of sin. That's how valuable you are. So what can we learn from this passage today, church? The passage to the Ephesians. Remember how I shared with you at the beginning that the Rock Hill Dream Center works out of three different principles for restoration. Spiritually, men mentally, and physically. So, number one, we were all at one time dead spiritually. You were. When people that do not know Jesus Christ do things that look stupid, that's just what dead people do. They can't help it. They don't even see it and don't even know it. You'd be like, how in the world would you be doing something so dumb? It's because you can't see what's dumb. Think back before you knew Jesus at the things that we did. God's grace showed us and kept us alive through doing things that were crazy. Number two is that our hearts have to change before we have any hope of changing mentally. A lot of times we want to deal with the mental part and hope that it transforms the heart because we're doing it backwards. We're reading a book backwards that it has to be the heart first. And as the heart transforms, then it brings forth different thought processes. And it goes from the heart to the head, not the head to the heart. And we read all these books because we're wanting to change our mental state. And we're not reading the book, that one that was written to change our heart. Nothing wrong with books. But they can't take the place of the one book, the 66 of them that were put together by the Holy Spirit that been able to let people know who our God is. And number three, as we are transformed spiritually and mentally, we physically represent the masterpiece God created us to be. We begin to reflect God's glory. As I look at this picture, as I saw that Thursday night, that's what I meant by being fully alive. I saw people everywhere, and God was taking pieces and just putting them wherever. And I said, God's living in this body. Look at you go, God. This church has such a beautiful impact on our city. Y'all don't get to take the phone calls I get when people call and ask us questions. Y'all just get to come in here on Sundays and hear me for just a little bit and hang out and laugh with each other. But the work that is happening at a hand up, the work that is happening on Adopt-A-Block, the work that is happening in your neighborhoods and in your communities and where you're living and, and, and on worship and on Wednesday mornings as they're praying and on Thursday nights as they're hanging out together, that is having an impact on people everywhere. And people are saying, what in the world is God doing? I said, I don't know. I'm just going to be smart enough not to stop it and try to get in the way. Genesis 127 says, 
So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Here's the question. Are you embracing? Are you embracing being restored back to God's image? Is it just something that you stuck in your pocket like, well, I'm good. I've got the image of God. I act like that, but no matter what, I'm in God's image. But are you embracing being purchased by the blood of Christ? Are you embracing the new creation that you are? Or are you listening to the world and the voice of the world to remind you of who you were? See, that's what baptism is, that the old man, the old woman is dead, that the new man, the new woman has been risen again, and the new man and the new woman is risen again to reflect the glory of God. Are you embracing in your actions? Are you embracing in your mind? Are you embracing in your words that you are a child of God? And when you fail at that, are you swimming in the grace that God gives? Because he gives it so abundantly. So what are the good things? This is a personal question. You can jot this down, remember it, write it in your phone, text it to me. What are the good things that God has planned for you? If you haven't asked yourself that question, ask it today. That God did not purchase you at such a high price to just let you sit down here on this earth in all of this mess without having a plan and a purpose for your life. So what purpose and plan does God have for you? And this is where I believe we as a body of believers can come together with you, with each other. And through that we can help discover one another's gifts. And purposes as we learn to love each other through relationship. That's why the relationship is so important. But that's why the relationship is going to be so hard to sustain because the enemy does not want us to have relationship with each other. The enemy wants us to have one woman sitting over here to the side that feels like nobody loves her. He does not want her in relationship with the foe. Combat that every Sunday, Wednesday, Thursday, every day you can. You've got to combat that through loving, kindness, gentle gestures towards each other. So will you embrace building a relationship with someone from this church? If this is your church, and I believe most people in here have done that. But if you haven't, would you embrace building a deep relationship with someone from this church? Will you embrace the mission God has given this church? That we see lives changed as we have a relationship with God and one another. To see lives changed. Why? Why do you ask this, Paul? It's simple. Because you are a piece of God's great masterpiece. And his work will look incomplete without you being in your position and in your place. His work will be incomplete until you find your place. Praise the Lord for you. We just got new visitors. We're going to preach it again. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We're fixing to go into a time of communion.
Come on in, my family. Have a, love to have y'all. I just got to finish with the message. <laughs> but you're here just in time. Because now we get to worship the Lord through music, through communion, and through that challenge that God gave us today. How can we build deeper relationship with our Creator and a deeper relationship with each other to be able to bring God glory? Who's gifted at doing that in here? Would anybody say Vivian's pretty good at that? <laughs> Everybody want to call the lady like, oh, we love us and Vivian. <laughs> it's just Vivian's gift. But here's the deal. There are a bunch of other ladies that are gifted to come alongside of her so that it will be complete. With just a one gifted person, it doesn't get to see the fullness of God's plan. But when everybody comes together and say, oh, I'm good at this. Oh, I'm good at doing this. Then we get to see God work. Amen. So we're going to go into a time of communion. Then I'm going to pray for us and the team will come up here to worship. And after I, I, I do this, we're going to let the, the worship team take communion. And then um, just to give me one minute before you start doing that, Joe. After I finish reading it. In 1 Corinthians eleven seventeen, it says, But in the following instructions, I cannot praise you, for it sounds if more harm than good is done when you meet together. First, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church, and to some extent I believe it. But of course there must be divisions among you so that you who have God's approval will be recognized. When you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper, for some of you are you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What? Don't you have your own homes for your eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthy is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Do you hear what that just said? That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread of the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. So I'm going to clarify that in just one, 30 seconds. If you have conviction in your heart of a sin in your life, you are in communion with God. It's only when you have conviction in your heart and you're rebelling against that conviction and you're not going to do anything about that or you're not going to turn from it is what it's teaching None of us is ever going, on this side of heaven, none of us is ever going to be worthy. But the Spirit of God convicts us of something or convicts us of a relationship that we need to pray for and work on and get right. That is what God is teaching, that yes, you are working towards being united. It's only when you are being disobedient and you are being prideful and you're saying, I don't want to correct this. I love living the way I am. I would not take this upon yourself then because God will bring forth judgment out of that. Okay? 
And that's what that is teaching. And that's why as the team worships, as they're going to take the Lord's Supper, they're going to come up and worship. Don't rush up here if you don't want to. Come to the altar or just sit in your chair. Seek your heart. Search the heart your heart to say, God, what is it in my heart that you want me to see and to work on? Can I pray for us as we do this? Lord God, we just come to you now. We thank you, Father, for loving us first. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for sealing us. We thank you, Jesus Christ, for coming to restore us. We thank you, Lord God, that you would move in such a way in our hearts today that you would open up the eyes of our hearts to see that what does not need to be there any longer that could be purged out by the Holy Spirit. And God, as we take upon your, your supper, Lord, that we would do it in remembrance of you, Jesus, of what you've done for us on the cross at Calvary. And, Lord, that, God, we, just, we want to just thank you, Father God, Lord, that you so loved us that you sent your only begotten Son. As we believe in him, we will have everlasting life. So, Lord, as we just come and worship you through music today, Lord God, move in a mighty way. Let our hearts be transformed from the inside out. We love you, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.